have the Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roll with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? look great in person and I uh, just can't wait to next year we, we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey Bob, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guy today. It was being ranked. I mean, how do you look? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. Well, hello there, and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. Joining me, as always, the one and only Major Caldwell. How are you doing this evening, Major? Doing good, man. Doing good. Let's get it. Let's Super get Bowl it week. because, oh, it is Super Bowl week, the last game of the 2022 season. It is upon us. We have gone through 18 grueling weeks of the regular season. We've gone through several weeks here of the playoffs, and now it all comes down to one game. One game, in fact, between the two best teams, arguably, statistically, no matter how you want to slice it, we got the two best teams in the National Football League going head-to-head this Sunday in Arizona between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. And we're going to talk about this because this is a game of significance. And I wanted to make sure that we pointed this out throughout the show. So we're going to talk about the significance of this contest and all these other little bits and pieces that kind of go with it. We're going to talk about props and prop betting heading into the Super Bowl because there's all kinds of things to bet on. And of course, we're going to dig into that tail of the tape, break down this matchup for everybody to get a better understanding of what we're dealing with here on Sunday. But first, like we have every single week, we have the news and notes. And it starts off with Brian Flores, named the new defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. Major, after watching Flores kind of be ushered out of Miami there, right or wrong. I mean, we have strong opinions either way. We both see this very similar to his situation there too, in Miami. Heading to the Pittsburgh Steelers as a position coach there with the linebackers. Now, basically, he got his pick of the litter of defensive coordinator jobs that were open to him, and he was even arguably in the consideration for the head coach job in Arizona, which, by the way, still hasn't been filled, and mm-hmm. now we find him in Minnesota. What are your thoughts on this Minnesota Vikings defense? What are they going to look like with Brian Flores now leading it? Uh, I want to start by saying, like, uh, I'm happy he got the defensive coordinator position, but I don't know. I think he should have had an opportunity to be a head coach again. Uh, we, we see time and time again where, you know, as white counterparts, they get fired and get hired the next week by another team. For some reason, he has to work his way back up the ranks. I don't – he didn't really do anything wrong in Miami. He didn't – I mean, he got that team to a point to where they were actually going to contend, and then they handed it off to uh, my man out there, and he – you know, he's taking it to the next level. But – I don't know. I, I'm, it's it's like a bittersweet thing for me. Uh, I think Miami, I mean, uh, Minnesota's defense, they have some pieces, but I think they do need to do some work there. But I think, you know, Brian Flores can uh, get that going and, and get himself a head coaching job again. But I, I just don't understand why he has to kind of go to like a position coach to a coordinator, then try to get back to the coach. It just doesn't make sense because you don't see the, uh, the, the counterparts doing that, you know? No, we see this happen in Carolina. There was Steve Wilkes as well. He did not, he was the interim coach there in Carolina. 
He did not get the job. Frank Reich was, hey, you know what? Frank Reich is a great coach, but we saw what Steve Wilkes was able to do with that squad in the back end of the season. Now he ends up in San Francisco that has a pretty good track record of turning defensive coordinators into head coaches, as we've seen with Robert Sala, as we've seen with D'Amico Ryans. Now maybe this is Steve Wilkes' next step here in the evolution of becoming a head coach and getting that full-time gig. Now, we could talk about these jobs and all this all, all throughout the show. And we'll probably touch base on this because there is a very common theme because I want to make sure that we're we're ahead of this. We're, we're, we want to talk about this because it is, what, African-American month here right now. And in the National Football League, there are stories to tell. And in a little bit, I want to definitely talk about this significance of the Super Bowl because I thought there's a very good article that was kind of put out there on NBC Sports there, courtesy of – I'm gonna I'm sorry, Mary. I'm going to butcher your name here. But, uh, Mary – Amadiga, she talks about this. If you want to go catch the whole article, check it out on NBC Sports or catch her on Twitter there at Mary Boberry XO. I mean, great little <laughs> bit of piece there. I mean, I can actually pronounce the Twitter handle, so kudos to that for yeah, making my that. job a little bit easier when it comes to that. But we want to talk about some more news and notes here before we get into everything that's going to go on in the Super Bowl and the rest of this month. And I want to talk about the Pro Bowl. And what are your Pro Bowl thoughts? We joked about this last season about how this is going to turn into exactly what we saw exactly and, josh jacobs, it, yeah. and josh jacobs was basically what is this bleep i mean I, i'm paraphrasing here a little bit when it comes to josh jacobs in particular but i don't even think the players enjoyed this i mean i think they'd rather just have hey name me a pro bowl player give me a vacation and let's call it a day give me a bonus something man like just I don't even know why they wasted their money on that. I guess that maybe they had to spend the money at the end of the year to try to make up some kind of quota, but they could have saved that money and 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 donated it somewhere or did something better use of that money because a flag football game uh, challenge. I don't know. A flag like football game that ends in a kneel down. But they can't the kneel down. They can't, they can't get the. They've tried everything. They tried Hawaii. They tried Miami. They tried. They can't. I, they even tried Vegas, I think, but they cannot get this thing right. They can't get it right. So just do, a, have a dinner, have a banquet, have everyone dress up. You know what I mean? Like do something like that. But you know, put an extra wear and tear on people, and it's just, it's a fiasco, man. We we have to do away with it. It's like the worst thing in all of sports. You mean the uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Ty Huntley? And Derek Carr Pro Bowl play, uh, selections there for the AFC didn't get the job done for you. I I like disruptors. I like when things I, that part I did like it got kind of muddy a little bit. That part was cool. It just grabbed some random guys like, hey, what you doing next week? Nothing. Hey, you want to be an all star? Yeah. Oh, come on, let's go. So I it, it, that was cool. It just it's a waste of time. I didn't really watch it. I caught a couple highlights, but. Pass. Did the Pro Bowl? Did the Pro Bowl to you feel scripted? I mean, mm, <laughs> it, is, it is a pretentious point here right now in the National Football League of these scripts. I know Arian Foster kind of threw out there, "Hey, I got my script there." In training but who was saying it first? Season. Who was saying it first? It, I, I think Foster was sarcastic, but the way the way these games. By the way, Roger Goodell said this was the best ref season of all time. Come on, Roger. Whatever you're on, lay off. Or at least pass it around to the rest of us, right? We're not Roger, stupid. whatever you're on, pass it around. You, we know Roger's got the good stuff. I mean, the dude uh, makes like a yeah, billion dollars sure. per season. For sure. You oh, you cannot fuel 
the fire of the National Football League fans, especially the fan bases, especially those of like the Raiders fan base, who is still thinking that they can go this whole script back to the tuck rule. Back to, you know, even before that, the immaculate reception, they believe was conspiracy theories out there. By the way, it was not, it was not a catch. I'm still sticking by that. But <laughs> this is nothing new to the National Football League. Conspiracies, this and that. And, you know, it's funny. We joke about being the script, and the players joke about being the script. Vegas doesn't find this very funny because the NFL is an entertainment business more than it is a sport at this point. I think that's kind of what they've kind of filed themselves legally as entertainment, much like the WWE, which is always going to raise these red flags for people in it. But now if you're betting on sport, if you're betting on the National Football League, and now there's a little bit of possibility that something is scripted, this could cost the National Football League a lot of money considering how they have a lot of eggs in one basket, so to speak, when it comes to gambling in sports, especially the NFL and how big it has become, whether it's fantasy prop betting like we're going to talk about a little bit later. We bet on heads or tails. We bet on the color of Kool-Aid. We bet on how long the national anthem is going to be. And now you're telling me there's a chance things could be scripted. Come on. You, we like to joke about it, but you can't go out there and say it because now – all the guys, I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on, and we know things are just going to get absolutely weird out there between the <laughs> yeah. fan bases, right? I mean, that's how it's going to go. Yeah. Look at me. Do I look like a normal, civilized person right now on the show? But I mean, it's kind of upgrade from what you typically look. But uh, yeah, man, I'm. I, I I told you guys at the beginning of the season, I was picking my picks, and I had them all right the first round picking like what would happen in the script what would be like the best outcome in a movie um i was wrong in the end so i do have to give them some kind of props for that for doing the twist but i do understand the you know the black american history month and you got the two black quarterbacks and all that i get that i get that um i don't even know what I'm, the, the plot so uh so yeah man i uh, kudos to the NFL for tricking me on the script, but I, I've been there, man. I've been telling people that for a while now, so that's just, that's old news for me. Well, Major, you understood the assignment, but do the Dallas Cowboys understand the assignment when it comes to the running back position? We're seeing teams right now, I believe, Kansas City is paying the 18th most at the running back position. The Philadelphia Eagles are paying the 25th most at the running back position. Major, as a former running back at the College of the Canyons, the NFL kind of devalues the position. Let's call it the way it is. They don't want to pay right. up for premier running backs. Well, the Dallas Cowboys, they just paid Ezekiel Elliott just a couple seasons ago. And now they're talking about giving him a pay cut so that they could franchise tag Tony Pollard. Now, I get franchising Tony Pollard, but Ezekiel Elliott still being in that backfield, you're looking at like $16, $17 million in that backfield. That is not a recipe for success in today's game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I actually thought that he was most likely on the cutting block because of his contract. You know, I think he he received his guaranteed money, so I don't think the rest of that contract is guaranteed. I don't really know the details of it, but most NFL contracts are, like, front-loaded, and then, you know, you can cut, get cut, and never receive the rest of your money. That's what happened to most of these guys. So I thought they were going to cut Zeke because, I mean, they have some holes they need to fill as well, so I, that money would have been uh, – much much needed um but they do I, I i like tony pollard a lot i don't know if he's ready to be the three down back there um but yeah there there are cheaper options than than zeke in that uh what you say was 16 million like that's a 
Yeah, you don't have to fact check the show because I make up numbers all the time. Oh yeah, let's do it. Stuff, let's I think I, I think sixteen million. I think that sounds about right. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's it's a, it's it's a lot of money for someone who's on the tail end of their career. Um, you know, Zeke could give you sparks every now and then, but uh, but I think it is a good one-two punch with him and Pollard. They had a good season this year, so uh, I guess they're trying to run it back. But like I said, you can uh, you. It's cheaper options out there, and there's a lot of a lot of good rookies coming out in this class. I like at running back. So, um, but I do like you know he's you know Jerry Jones is being a uh, loyal to to one of his guys, and Zeke is one of his guys, and been one of his guys for the longest. So, um, is is good to see that? I guess I don't know. Well, it's funny because we cr- often criticize, especially owners, about there being no loyalty in sports. Right. And w- when they use you, you're done. That's it. Well, Jerry Jones has always been loyal to a fall, probably because he's got so much invested in Ezekiel Elliott. Now, you mentioned running it back. And there is a coach out there that has been a top contender for many head coach positions the last few seasons. The problem with that is, He's been on a team that's gone to the conference championship in like the last five seasons, right? And that's Eric Bieniemy. We've heard his name circle around head coaching positions year in and year out. We also know that Arizona and Indianapolis still do not have head coaches. So could Eric Bieniemy be actually in the strong consideration for one of those positions, seeing as neither one of those have been filled? And two, if he's not in consideration for one of them, does he leave Kansas City and take on an offensive coordinator position elsewhere because he always is going to be under that Andy Reid shadow? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think he's going to – this season he has to go somewhere else. I think – you know how you feel when, like, a a junior in college has a great season and you're like, man, you turn pro now and then the next year – they kind of they stay in you know they stay in college and they don't perform as as well as they did the year before and hurt their draft stock. I think each year that Eric stays there is starting to, you know, become more and more you know Andy Reid's thing. You know he's he's Andy Reid's uh, guy or whatnot. But um, I don't know if he'll be able to get the Colts job. But I think the Colts is pretty close to being a relevant team. They 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 have some good players there. Uh, you plug in a quarterback, and I think you're 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 rolling there. Um, and it, it's typical that you know the black coaches don't really get the, uh, you know, the promising teams. They usually get the the startups. And I think Arizona is more that speed. I know they have some talent there, but it seems like nothing really fits in Arizona. So there's some stuff you got to clean up there. So if he is going to go somewhere, most likely, uh, I see Arizona in in, in his future, but. I would take either one of those coaching jobs over being an assistant coach another year. He has to like kind of get from under that shadow, like you mentioned. Speaking of Arizona, does anyone even want to work with Kyler Murray? I mean, <laughs> this is this. I don't want to believe this, but we've heard things come out in the past about Kyler Murray, and now obviously Arizona being one of the last teams to fill that head coaching position. There's got to be a little bit more than just smoke going on there. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, man, I agree with you. It has to be more than smoke. Like, I don't know what else to really even add to that, man. Like, we need to get these guys these coaching jobs and 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 let's let's do right for once. Let's see what happens if we just like stop all the funny stuff with the with the black coaches and everything, and just let people get jobs and let people do their things. You know. Well, there's there's a good one. You mean one of my favorite guys out there is Trotter, man. We had him on the show here last season on Behind the Grind. And I just love listening to him speak. And 
Howard graduate there, Major. I think your daughter was actually considering going to Howard. I don't know if she actually yeah. going to Howard, but I mean. Uh, yeah, we, we still, we're still a, looking. Yeah. Still weighing that. I mean, Howard's a great school out there. I mean, uh, Jim Trotter talked very highly of it and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, I don't care what the situation is. Get me the best person for the job, regardless of it. I mean, that's one of the good things about the Raiders of the past. Tom Flores. Art Shell. I mean, they weren't afraid to make these big splashy moves there. And Amy they work Trask every there. time. Amy Trask in the uh, management type positions, one of the, the first women of football, so to speak. I mean, never had a problem with that. Now, I want to make a full kind of transition here. And Major, when you retire from podcasting, are you going to post a picture of yourself in your underwear, a la Tom Brady? Absolutely. What is wrong? Uh, this show, I think you're really trying to get me to do something. This show, <laughs> you're really trying to get me because you pouring society. You got the grouchy old man coming out. What is going on in society where we feel like we have to like do stuff like this? It makes no sense to me. It's so you're a 40 something year old man. Why are you posting nude pictures on anything? Major, I'm like, not going to lie. If I look like Tom Brady, I'd be no. taking pictures of my underwear all the time. It, well, you like being naked, but no, it, come on, man. The greatest quarterback, quote-unquote, of all time, and that's that's the picture that we have in our head now? Hey, they look comfortable. I'm not going to lie. They, they look comfortable. I, I was almost bought on it, but hey, when I when I seen that picture, I was like almost sold on the TB12 diet too. So <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, we're gonna go wrap it just a little bit. I don't know. You sound like you got turned on a little bit. You know what? I've never been a big Tom Brady fan. The, the tuck rule kind of ruined it for me. And this kind of gives me new meaning to the tuck rule, but I'm not gonna go there right now. Um, now when we talk about Hall of Famers, I mean this is a Hall of Fame class coming here. JJ Watt, 2028 Hall of Famer, Tom Brady, 2028 Hall of Famer, AJ Green, Hall of Very Good. Is he a Hall of Famer? I don't think so. I don't think A.J. Green's a Hall of Famer. I went off on Scott Rowland in the Major League Baseball, and I took a lot of flack from people saying Scott Rowland was a good baseball player. In fact, he should be, he belongs in the Hall of Very Good, but he is not a Hall of Famer in my opinion. And I would put A.J. Green in that same thing. He had five dominant years, but he was never an all-pro in any of those seasons. So for me, he can't be a Hall of Famer, but he can be in the Hall of Very Good. Over to you. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Maybe not first, second ballot, but he had a run where he was the best receiver in the game for at least like two or three seasons. Like him and Julio, that was kind of like those top tier guys. So to be, like I said, I tried to get to the NFL. that I didn't make it. That shit is hard. So for him to make it there and then be one of the best receivers in the game on a garbage team for all those years, he wasted a lot of his career in in um in Cincinnati before they actually turned around turned that program around. But I think you I think you got to give it to him because I think the situation if he was in a better situation he would have been you know the Julio Jones or whoever else is that you think was the top receiver in his era. So I'm, I'm gonna give it to him. Like I said, maybe not first ballot. I'll give him a second ballot, and if not third for sure. Well, I'm gonna put this out here right now. If you want to be a first ballot Hall of Famer when it comes to fantasy sports, you need to head to fantasypoints.com today. I mean, you've got to get there today. The Super Bowl is on Sunday. And if you sign up before the Super Bowl concludes there on Super Bowl Sunday, that's 30% off your subscription. 
Do not miss huge savings on 2023. You get John Hansen's rankings. Prop betting advice from Tom Broly there. Dank stats from Scott Baird. Graham Barfield's data-driven analysis. And check out the YouTube channel there too because Brian Drake and Joe Dolan, they're coming at you with that two-point stance right there on the YouTube channel. Now that all being said, we've transitioned. You're into A.J. Green possibly being a Hall of Famer. I'm not. We talked about Tom Brady doing some A.B. type stuff going on there. (laughs) What is Aaron Rodgers doing in the dark? That's the question. We got Tom Brady in his underwear in the lights. What is Aaron Rodgers going to do all by himself in the dark? And how much would it cost? How much would I have to pay you to put you in solitude for five days or whatever? Nothing but the dark. Where they're sliding you food through a little hole. I'm I'm leaning that way more than I'm leaning the naked nude photos or whatnot. But uh. I don't know, man. I kind of I'm one of those people who like to be in the dark and like to be in quiet. I, so I I, I kind of get it. And Aaron Rodgers to me seems like he's a a hippie a hippie type of guy, kind of like myself here. Um, so I, I'm with him. I don't know if I can go to that extent, but there it, we all should try to take a moment and like turn off the TV and turn off the phone and and kind of just sit in the dark and listen to yourself and to kind of figure yourself out. Cause I think we're letting the internet control us a little bit. So we need to take a step back and try to gain some control back. Cause it's, it's upside down world right now. We got all time quarterbacks, you know, in his underwears holding this crotch. We got, I don't even know. It's, it's a lot going on right now, man. I don't want to get into it. Do you really think I should be in a dark room with my thoughts, my thoughts alone? You think that's really wise for anybody in society? I, you know what? I do take that back, man. For you, that might be a scary thing. So, like, uh, we'll give you a glimmer of light. <laughs> you can have a little of light, you know what I mean? Is it as scary as trading Derek Carr to the, the New Orleans Saints for, say, a third-round pick? Is that something that's going to happen? Oh, man. That for a third-round pick sounds crazy, like. Derek Carr has some 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 gas left in the tank. Gary, he's not trash. Like I think the situation, I think the coaching, I just think it was a bad fit. But Derek Carr can play the game, and I do like him on the Saints. But I I'm on the Saints side. I'm gonna give you nothing because you already told me that he's not coming back. So what is your what is your other options? No one's gonna give you a first round pick because you kind of shot yourself in the foot there. But I don't know. I kind of. I think that might be a good spot for him. I like him there. I like him in uh, Indy. I like him in. Uh, I like him in Tampa Bay. So you know, there's a few places for him to go. I think he's the the prize quarterback of the offseason. season, um, or maybe even Carolina as well. So it's a few options for him, man. So, but a third round pick sounds disrespectful, especially if I'm the Raiders. I need to do a better job of uh, negotiating. I don't know if they're going to get more than a third-round pick, if I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, it's damaged goods. I mean, we know. You already talked about that. He's not coming. But here's the thing. If I'm the Raiders, I might just say, you know what? We're going to keep you, and you can stay away from us. We'll pay your $40 million just to stay away, just just because. Just, just, I'm a spiteful person. I'm like the Aaron Rodgers (laughs) of fantasy football. I'm petty. I'm like, you know what? You're going to try to hold me hard. Could you imagine L. Davis? Could you imagine L. Davis still running this team? Yeah. First off, I don't think Derek Carr would have ever been benched for one. Right, right. two, 
L. Davis, he would have had like some kind of hitman after you or say, you know, you're going to play. And you know what? You're going to keep your mouth shut and you're going to like it. I mean, that, that would have been L. Davis. He would have had something in, in Vegas, L. Davis in, in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. No, forget <laughs> yeah, about that. You. I want you to know what? Like, L. Davis, one of the greatest owners of all time in the league, respected man. He would, he, none of this stuff would ever have happened under his watch. His son, I don't, maybe dropped on his head when he was a kid or something. That haircut is weird. There's a lot of stuff going on over there, but um yeah that would never happen with mr davis <laughs> you got that right i mean he looks like what's his dicky whatever is that that uh <laughs> yeah. you know what i'm talking about right with yeah. that haircut yeah it's, it's it's ugly uh and l davis you know he was never one to back down for a fight i mean he literally went after any nfl he went after the nfl he went after yeah. the nfl like he doesn't he care backing down uh speaking of not backing down are do you think joe montana should back down from his comments about jimmy garoppolo should be the quarterback of the 49ers man joe montana was my favorite quarterback of all time I, you know people say it's tom brady that's the goat and all that to me montana's still the goat. well between him and, and john elway but Man, Montana, you kind of fell down the rakings a little bit with this decision making, man. We all, every 49ers fan in the history of 49er fandom wants Jimmy G to be gone. Like, why are we still holding on to him? Like, sometimes you have to just let go and see what happens. We have two young guys out that, that can play quarterback. It might not be the best quarterback play at the beginning because they're young, but we have to give them the chance to prove themselves. And having Jimmy kind of lurking in the background the whole time, I think, kind of stunts the growth of these young guys. So I'm with Joe Montana, like, looking out for one of his guys, I guess. But, yeah, Joe, I think uh, John Elway is a GOAT now by himself because you kind of fell down the rankings with your GM skills. You know what? I I'm loving it, though. I mean – you like you like big... anything that's chaotic though. You love I, that. I do. I mean, <laughs> I'm a Raiders fan, and if I can't be happy, nobody can be. And that's basically <laughs> the bottom line behind, behind everything I do. With that word. being said, I want to get into this Super Bowl because I believe that this could be one of those games. Not because of the game on the field. I mean, the, the players are going to have to make this game. But there is a lot, there's a significance to this game, especially during African American History Month here right now. You could just say Black Black American History Month, yeah. Hurts <laughs> and Patrick Mahomes. So yeah. I mentioned at, uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier uh, that Mary um, Omatega, their NBC Sports kind of article that she wrote there. I'll put that, drop that in the YouTube subscribe. Uh, Thing there for everyone to kind of catch and read there at Mary Bulberry XO on Twitter. You catch her on there. And I'm going to kind of read a little bit of an excerpt here as we head into this. In the early 1950s through the 1970s, there was an inherent stigma suggesting that African American men lacked the instinct, intelligence, and leadership ability required to play quarterback, a thinking position simply because of the color of the skin. Black athletes who had the skill, talent, work ethic, experience, and demonstrated history of success to play quarterback were often lured to professional level, but were told to play another position within the league. And we've seen this time and time again. And one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time had to come all the way up to Canada to play for the then Edmonton Eskimos. Now they're the Edmonton Elks, Warren Moon. And he came up here and absolutely crushed it. Oh, no. Yeah. Championship after championship in the 70s. 
becoming part of the reason why Edmonton was considered the city of champions based on the back of Warren Moon. Now, he was not the first one by any stretch. Uh, Sandy Stevens, the first black man to play quarterback at the University of Minnesota, led the Gophers to back-to-back Rose Bowls, 1960, 1961, and a national championship in 1960. The Browns selected him in that 61 draft, and then he switched positions. Jimmy Ray II helped lead Michigan State to a national championship in 1966, and then he had a lineup as a defensive back for the Los Angeles Rams when he was drafted in 1968. Stevens, Dungy, Warren Moon, these are those pioneers that paved the way for the African-American quarterback. These were the first ones that had to kind of make their noise, do what they had to do in order to get Doug Williams to be the man that he ended up being, the first black quarterback to play in the Super Bowl, the first black quarterback to win the Super Bowl when he accomplished that feat. So when we have this matchup between Jalen Hurts and Patrick Holmes, the first time two African-American men faced off against each other as quarterbacks of opposing teams, the significance, it's real. If I look at all the history of the National Football League, there's only been seven quarterbacks of African-American descent who've played in the Super Bowl at the quarterback position. Only three of them have won. Doug Williams, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. The other quarterbacks, Steve McNair, Donovan McNabb, Colin Kaepernick, and Cam Newton. Man. So again, we talk about this, and when Jalen Hurts was asked the question, what is the significance? And he basically said, I never saw it as a kid growing up. I never got the opportunity to see it. So we're talking about these athletes coming through. Look at the National Football League. We've got Hurts. We've got Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Justin Fields, Kyler Murray, Malik Willis, and, yes, Trey Lance. Then we've got the new group coming in here too. Brace Young, CJ Strode, Anthony Richardson. If you look at this all, and I'm going to try and – I want to make sure I give George Telefero his respect. In 1946, he was the first African-American to be selected in the NFL draft by the Chicago Bears. He would go on to three – uh, sorry, he would go on to three Pro Bowls and he played seven positions, including the quarterback position, because, again, he couldn't just play the quarterback position. There's a reason why when they players such as Lamar Jackson go to the draft and teams say, hey, can you play wide receiver? That they say no, because they've proven time and again that they can play the position as well as anybody can, regardless of color. So I don't think that we can understate the significance of this matchup. The foot, National Football League is bigger now than it has ever been in the history of the game. More eyes are on this game now than at any point in history. That is good news. We talked about the coaching carousel that has basically kind of left many good coaches without jobs. Major, you've been very adamant about this, very outspoken about this. Guys like Brian Flores, Steve Wilkes, great examples of that. Lovey Smith, Romeo Cornell. We watched uh, David Coley. Uh, the Texans, they're not, they don't have a very good track record when it comes to the African-American coach there in any way, shape, or form. But now we're seeing a lot of the top-end quarterbacks come out there and absolutely crush it. I think we're going to see even more uh, young Black men see this game right here, watch Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes go out and say, you know what? I can play that position. I'm going to play that position, and I'm going to succeed at that position. Now, I'm going to turn it over to you here just to kind of let, 
everyone know what you feel that the significance of this matchup means, not only to you, but to anyone that you might know, to the world, to young children in your area, anybody. Just kind of yeah. the significance of this game. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk for myself. Um, for the, it's so many. I do have so many different emotions, so many different thoughts on this. Um, one is twenty twenty three, and we have this is the first time. Like that's ridiculous to me. We need to stop having first black anything at this point. You know, we need to start getting the stuff going. It's not. It's not because of lack of talent. It's not because of lack of anything. So it's, it's pretty stupid that uh, in 2023, we're, we're still having first black anything. That's one thought. A second thought I've been seeing going around Twitter a lot with memes and stuff like that was um, comparing the two black quarterbacks and comparing their blackness. That's the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. They're, they're calling, you know, Mahomes not black because, you know, he's lighter skin and he talks a little more white and he acts a little more white or whatnot, however you want to put that. And, you know, uh, Jalen uh, uh, Hurts is, a, you know, a Q dog and all these different things that that's kind of synonymous with the black culture. You know, it's a, he has a black wife and everything. Mahomes has a white wife. So I've been seeing all these comparisons online. Let's stop that because black people come in so many different shapes, colors. We're not a monolith. We we come in all kind of. We got people from the hood. We got people from from the suburbs. We have people from different countries. So, with that being said, the game. I'm excited about it because I grew up in an era where that stuff was very prominent. Like that little uh, snippet that you read. Um, more, I, I I followed Warren Moon. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks. I followed. That's why I found out about CFL because I followed him up there to watch that. And then I also uh, seen uh, uh, Marcus Allen, younger brother, out there balling. You know what I mean? So it's just uh, Damien. Is it Damien? Damien Allen. Yeah, yeah Damien, Damien Allen. Allen. He's 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 a one of the all time greats out there. He could have possibly played in in you know in the NFL, but he had to go up there as well. Um, as I get older, I see Randall Cunningham in the game, and he's doing a thing. People was really upset at the end. How the NFL now is now with the running quarterback. That was not a thing. People were mad at him for getting out the pocket. He had to defend that all the time. And people called him uh, a poor leader, all this other stuff, because he would like run the ball. How silly is that? And then we move into one of my favorite players. Cause I was a big college guy when I was a kid, Florida state was one of my favorite teams. Charlie Ward was the guy. This, he was like, during that time, he was the man. Um, and that led me to Derek Brooks and to my favorite player of all time, Work Done. But it was Charlie Ward first because he was a Heisman Trophy finalist and he had that good promotion behind him. Um, he had to end up playing basketball because he was one of the people who refused to go to receiver. Um, you even look at someone like Heinz Ward. He was a quarterback. He ended up having to play receiver and ended up doing it very well for the Steelers. Um, Cordell Stewart. Cordell Stewart, they had to slash him. That was weird. He like, you can play quarterback, but we're gonna put you at receiver too. It was like part of his contract. It was it's so silly, man. And just like thinking that black people can't think, like that's crazy. Like can't think about football. It's a game. It's a game. Like it's so stupid, man. But uh, 
you know, so it means a lot to me that you got these two young guys and they're young too. So this is not like a one and done. You know, you got Patrick Mahomes who's been there multiple times. You have Jalen Hurts who was actually before the season. It's still, it's still happening. It's still happening before the season. People are like doubting him. And a lot of it was because of he's, because he's black. Like let's, let's call a spade a spade. And you see it even still, you see it in contract talks with, with Lamar Jackson. We all know that the way the, the NFL goes, whoever, whatever quarterback is up next to be a free agent, you're going to be the highest paid quarterback. It just happens that way. Every single year is it's like it's not it's like automatic until it's Lamar Jackson's turn. So like you still see stupid little microaggressions like that happening. Um, you see the same thing with the coaching. Like I mentioned earlier, you have, uh, you know, a coach who's coach uh, been an offensive coordinator on Super Bowl teams and he's hasn't been snatched up yet. But when, you know, the Patriots, any one of their coaching staffs down to the like <laughs> kicking coach can get a head coaching job just because they play, you know, they coach with the Patriots. So you see these microaggressions still. Um, I don't like how the NFL is marketing this. They, you know, all of a sudden we see Patrick Mahomes' father. Like, I've never seen him. And now all of a sudden, because it's two black quarterbacks, it's like, no, Mahomes is black. Look at this black dad. Like, I don't know if that was planned or not, but I'm on, I'm leaning more on the side of the scripted NFL, especially when it comes to marketing and PR. Um, but then, you know, it's Black History Month. And they're going to uh, sell this as the black game. And then you have Rihanna doing a halftime show. And I, to me, it's kind of nasty how they're marketing it. It's like they're, uh, you know, they're trying to make up for the uh, the Black Lives Matter fiasco. They're trying to make up for the Kyla Kaepernick fiasco. Um, I don't know, man. To me, it's kind of nasty. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with the game. I love, love football i love the game to me it's like 3d chess like you have to be a thinker to understand this game um but the marketing and all the other stuff that goes behind it is just kind of nasty nfl finds a way to like fumble the ball every single time when it comes to especially talking to to the uh you know black american fans um especially when the league is made up of like 90 percent black black folks so it's like man, we got to figure out a way to get this thing right because, you know, I've hearing talks of some people starting their own leagues up and stuff like that, and it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds. But, you know, it's just I, I see the journey. It makes me feel a little old because, like I said, I've, I've walked you through my quarterback, you know, history, seeing all these people. And like I said, Charlie Ward having to play basketball to me was like I was shocked at that because he was the best quarterback in that class. So, um but they want him to play receiver. And it happened time and time again. I had one of my best friends growing up. It's not just in the NFL and college. It starts in high school and Pop Warner. Like in high school, they made my best friend go to receiver because he was a black dude. But he played quarterback his whole life from Pop Warner all the way up. And he was a top athlete or whatnot. And I think it kind of messed with him and kind of, you know, made him lose the love of, of the game a little bit. And he And he never really kind of panned out to what he should have been but uh i don't know like i said so many mixed emotions because like i said it's a love hate with the with the league and how they treat us and all that good stuff but like football helped me helped me save my life got me through college and all that other stuff so 
I don't know, man. It's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing for me to digest. So it's not as simple as just two black quarterbacks playing in a game. We should all be happy now. I think we need to think a little bit deeper. I think we need to, uh, to kind of get to the root of some of these problems. And, and like I said, stop the dumb stuff. Like let, like you said, pick the best, pick the best coach. And if sometimes pick the black coach just because he's black, because you need to make up for all the foolery that you guys have done in the past. But I don't know, man, you got me going on a, a rant now, but yeah. What, it's a lot me? Of, yeah. You, you've been poking and prodding your, your questionings today, man. You've been getting my juices going. I've been trying to hold back, but you about to get me on my, my militant stuff, man. I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to right, be well, a fantasy football analyst right now. Well, with that all being said, I'll leave this one last little excerpt there from uh, Omatega's article. Sunday's game isn't just another Super Bowl. Let it be a reminder that no matter what you look like, you too are capable and worthy of thriving in every space you set foot in. And I think that she absolutely nailed it when she said that. Uh, it's a great article. Go over to NBC Sports. You'll catch it all right there at Mary Boberry XO there on the Twitter machine. And with that all being said, now let's get back into the football and kind of preview this game because this is a very good contest. Like I mentioned, these are the two best teams, in my opinion, when it's all said and done. The Chiefs, the Eagles, both 16-3 and this season. Both teams, including playoffs, 546 points for. The Chiefs surrendered 409 points against. Meanwhile, the Eagles, 358 points against. The Chiefs, 62 sacks, seven in the playoffs throughout the season. The Eagles, 78 sacks, including eight in the playoffs. Now, turnovers, the Chiefs, three interceptions. The Eagles, one interception, one forced, uh, one fumble recovery versus the Eagles, three fumble recoveries on three forced fumbles. Both teams have six all-pro players, including a Kelsey on both sides. Both teams are 5-0 and in non-conference play. And Andy Reid is 3-0 versus the Chiefs as the Eagles head coach. And he's 3-0 versus the Eagles as the Chiefs head coach. So something is going to have to give this week, this Sunday, during the Super Bowl. How do these teams get here? The Chiefs, they knock off the Jaguars 27-20 and then follow it up with an interesting, possibly officiated controversy type game there against the Bengals in a 23-20 victory. Meanwhile, the Eagles steamrolled the competition 38-7 over the Giants, beating them for the third consecutive time this season. And then they took care of the 49ers and their fourth string quarterback, Christian McCaffrey, 31-7 in the NFC Championship. And by the way, police people stop complaining about the NFL should let teams carry three quarterbacks. They did. They gave you that option. They opened up another roster spot begin, like back in COVID to carry right. a third quarterback. Teams chose not to, and they chose to use that spot for somebody else. So the option to carry three quarterbacks, it is there. Stop it right now. That did not cost you anything. Jo Joe Johnson, Josh Johnson, whatever. That's probably not the quarterback that you want to be taking snaps there in an NFC championship game. <laughs> right. Nonetheless, two, the two most likely MVP candidates going head-to-head. -head. Patrick Mahomes, he should win the MVP. He's having a historic-type season there passing the ball. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts, you could make an argument for an MVP because he's putting up very similar numbers to what Lamar Jackson did his MVP season in 2019. So right. you can make an argument for either one of these quarterbacks. The thing that I love the most is pressure. Both these teams can get after the quarterback, and they do it different ways. The Chiefs, 
We know about Chris Jones, that pressure in the middle. The dude has been a man-child out there. He's probably been the best interior defender, bar none this season. Even better than Aaron Donald when Aaron Donald's healthy. That's how good Chris Jones has been this season. But the Eagles, 11.2% sack rate. To put that in perspective, how good that is. The difference between them and the number two team as far as sack rate is concerned, the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys had an 8.9% sack rate. So the difference between one and two is the same difference in sack rate percentage as the Dallas Cowboys and the 23rd best team in that category. That is how dominant this Eagles pass rush has been. And they've done it with four different players recording uh, double-digit sacks this season, led by Hassan Reddick, who, by the way, should get some love as a defensive player of the year candidate. Did not. Brandon Graham, most sacks of his career, Fourth highest pressure rate amongst defensive linemen this season. Not even considered for the comeback player of the year. Are you kidding me? The dude's like 92 years old and coming off his best season of all time. And you're telling me he's not worthy of a comeback type season? Give it up. Come on, man. That being said, when we look at this game major, I know who I'm picking. I, I love the Eagles in this game. Pressure is the biggest thing. Neither one of these quarterbacks, in my opinion, is 100% healthy. Jalen Hurts. He's got that bum shoulder. I don't think that's close to 100%. You know what? No one in the playoffs is probably 100% right now. Right, right. Just Meanwhile, the, the Eagles, they don't need to throw the ball to win. I mean, they could take advantage of the outside. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith against three rookies and Jarvis Sneed there in the background, in the backfield. I mean, that's an advantage for the Eagles that they could take advantage of. But this offensive line, Lane Johnson and company, they love to run the ball. I mean... Major, you know those big guys up front. They'd rather run the ball every single play of the game rather than have to pass. And then when you can come at a team with Miles Sanders, by the way, who has a very good chance of being the MVP of this contest, Jalen Hurts, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, these guys can all pop off at any time. We've seen it time in and time out. So the Eagles have a bit of an advantage of the ways that they can beat you. Meanwhile, on the other side of the field, we know what Patrick Mahomes is capable of doing. No doubt about that. We know what Travis Kelsey is capable of doing. But can anyone else get any kind of offense going in the passing game? McCole Hardman, he's on IR. He's unavailable. That leaves Marquez Valdez-Scanling. Juju Smith-Schuster, whose knees are being held together by bubblegum. Kadarius Toney, who, he, if he gets a paper cut on his hamstring, he's out <laughs> for the rest of the season. Sky Moore, just, Justin Watson. I mean, we're getting down... And they're going to be facing Darius Slate, James Bradbury, Avante Maddox. This is a good team, especially when you look at DVOA. It's tough to beat them. They're going to have to be a run-first type team. The Chiefs, I think, in order to manufacture offense in this contest, at least to get the double team off of Travis Kelsey, especially with we know what C.J. Gardner-Johnson is capable of. The dude led the league in interceptions this season, and he missed like five games. So I'm looking for the matchup inside the matchup is this offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs against this Eagles pass rush that come at you all the time. And it's not just the outside. We've got Fletcher Cox. We've right. got Jordan Davis. We've got, I mean, uh, Javon Hargrave. These guys can press the pocket from inside. As much as I talk about Jalen Hurts not having that arm, I still don't think that Patrick Mahomes is even close to 100% with that ankle. It's a high ankle sprain. We're looking at six weeks typically for an right. ankle. He's had, what, two weeks off, and he played a game on that ankle, which probably puts you set back a little bit. We watch this. We see this game play out. Patrick Mahomes' toe against the Buccaneers a couple Super Bowls ago. We've seen how this goes. Mahomes is going to be good. 
Mahomes is going to make plays happen one way or the other. But eventually, Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweet, uh, these guys are going to get to him. The, the over-under is five and a half sacks. We'll talk about that when we get into our prop betting. I'm looking at this game here right now, and I've got the Eagles winning based on all that evidence. Major, who do you got winning this game? Let me let me hear it. Break it down for me. I have the Eagles. I mean, you did a fantastic job of breaking that down, especially I like the part when you talk about the old linemen liking to run, run block more than pass block. They love running forward, like backing up all game is not what old linemen like to do. So I know you know your football when you're talking like that. I know you played a little bit. Um, yeah, man, I think that ankle is – I have I had an ankle sprain that last me – it lasted almost like four or five games when I was in college. Like my last my last year in college, I had an ankle sprain that like totally ruined the last year of football for me. But uh, he's going to have the best trainers. He has the best everything. They're going to shoot him up with some stuff. He's going to be good at, you know, the first half, second half. but. One thing I think you kind of left out, but you did a great job, that defense is going to try to hit that ankle every play. <laughs> if you know that the, the star quarterback of the of the opposing team has any kind of ailment, you're going to go after that. I think Jalen Hurts' shoulder is a little bit better than um, – a little bit more better than uh, Mahomes', Mahomes ankle. So that's, that's why I'm leaning more towards the Eagles on this. That defense is just crazy, man. I, they 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 don't even have to blitz. They can get down with the, with the four you know the four down linemen, and then you have like the you know DBs kind of locking people up here and there. So uh, it's gonna be a tough one. Uh, I think um, I think whoever turns the ball over the most or is, is is the is the one that's gonna lose this game. And I think I can see Mahomes throwing a couple interceptions just because he's going to try to beat Superman. He's going to overcompensate for that ankle. He's going to be throwing, you know, all kind of awkward different angles. I know he gets praised for the behind the back and the no look and the hop, all that stuff. It You can't do that in this magnitude of a game. You know, the, the yeah, you just can't do it. So I, I'm going to go with the Eagles on this. And I think it's going to, the, the Eagles defense, I think is going to win this thing. If Jalen Hurts can, uh, you know, not turn the ball over and they have a, and you know, like you said, Miles Sanders, I kind of like him as an MVP as well. I kind of like you said that he's been running well. Um, I don't think he needs to have a big game. You could give him, I think he, if he gets like 60 to 80 yards, maybe a touchdown, I think that might be able uh, to do it to keep, you know, Mahomes off the field. And that's another thing too, keeping him off the field makes that ankle you know, gets a little more, a little more stiff that he's not running around in the game. So there's so many different, like, and that, again, that's why I love football. It's a thinking man's game. It's 3D chess. There's a game inside of a game inside of a game every single time. So uh, we can pick this thing apart. But like I said, you, you didn't leave any meat on the bone, man. You killed that. <laughs> well, you know, I'm hungry when it comes to the Super Bowl here. And if you want yes, to catch sir. my full preview of this, it's going to be over on Fantasy Points on that YouTube channel that we talked about. I am dropping my Super Bowl preview on Fantasy Points that should be coming out tomorrow as part of my early Friday night hype type video there on that Fantasy Points channel. A couple of little bits and pieces. I'll kind of give you a little hint there. I talk about what we saw from Sanders there in that NFC Championship, those two rushing touchdowns. That was only the third time a running back has rushed for two or more scores 
in a game in that NFC Championship. The last time that was done, 1994, Emmett Smith with the Dallas Cowboys. Prior to that, John Riggins, back in 1983. Now, why is this all important? Because I'm going back to the big man. I'm going to Lane Johnson. He's dealing with that abductor injury. That's basically like a, a torn groin, so to speak, there. We talk about how good this unit is. And you know what? We know that Johnson missed some time during the regular season, but he has kept Jalen Hurts clean on 57 pass-blocking snaps, and he basically neutralized Nick Bosa last week. But guess what? That's not even the biggest part about this whole thing. As good as Johnson and company have been in passing situations, I talked about how the big boys love to run the ball. 174 times the Eagles have run behind their right tackle or taken it to the outside for a league-high 11 touchdowns and 982 yards. I know they're going to run behind Lane Johnson. I know they're going to bounce it out to the outside. Guess what? So do the Chiefs. And so far, not a damn team has been able to stop it all season long. But wait, Matt. The Kansas City Chiefs, they're good at stopping the run. They're the eighth-best team when it comes to run defense. Well, guess what? The San Francisco 49ers were the second-best team, and Philadelphia said, I don't care about that. We're going <laughs> to run the ball at you 44 times right. for like 150 yards. It doesn't matter. They're just going to run the ball. They play That's their game. The Eagles do it. Yeah. The Eagles can beat you any way you want to go. If you want to take away the pass, they'll run. If you want to take away the run, they'll pass. That's how good this Eagles team can be. And again, I'm not taking anything away from the Kansas City Chiefs because we know how good they are. They've been one of the premier teams the last five seasons. They've been to the conference championships five times in a row. The only two coaches I think that have done that were basically Brian Belichick with Tom Brady and, of course, Kenny Stabler and John Madden. So that is a lead company for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to do that five times. Now let's get in some prop bets here, rapid-fire style, starting with we both had the Eagles winning, right? We both had the Eagles winning. But right now we saw that point that uh, – Point spread there, basically go for minus one for the Chiefs, swing the other way to two and a half for the Eagles. Are you still on the Eagles at two and a half? Yeah, I think the Eagles win by a field goal. I think, you know, sticking to the script and sticking to the thing I was going at the beginning, you want the game to be entertaining. You don't, you know, the more viewers they have attached to the TV, the more money they make. So I think they're going to make this an interesting game. Um, and they're going to, you know, if it's the referees or a script by the coaches, it's going to be a tight game. Okay. Over, under, set at 50 and a half. I uh, went under here. I think we, you spoke, I mean, like I said, again, you killed that break. You killed the breakdown. So uh, I'm going to say the defense is going to kind of win this thing. So I think they're going to have to keep it under that 50. 27-23, Eagles. That's 50 points. That's under 50 and a half. I'm taking the under. I'm with you. Uh, heads, tails. What do you got? Tails never fails. Tails never fails. However, I think four of the last six or four of the last five, it's been heads. Just so if you're keeping track of that, that's some deep, deep-rooted analysis yes, here on man, the coin toss. Keep in mind, the team that's won the coin toss has lost like eight straight Super Bowls. Just going to throw that out there as well. So mm. you do not want to win this coin toss. Uh, Gatorade color, you got? I'm going to go with red because that's like my favorite Gatorade color. I don't, maybe the blue one, the light blue, whatever that flavor is. I kind of like that one. But I think red is the one that we all kind of associate with Gatorade. Okay, so the Eagles, they're going to win this game because they're going to be pissed off all game. Why? Because they're drinking yellow Gatorade, the worst flavor of all, the only flavor that's worth dumping. So I'm going with yellow for the Gatorade color, a little bit extra there. 
Chris Stapleton, national anthem, two minutes and 40 seconds. You got the over or the under? I go over. Like when you're this big a stage, this magnitude of a game, this is your time to shine. You have millions upon millions of people watching this game. You're going to milk every second of that national anthem. You're going to see, well, you don't have to worry about that from Chris Stapleton because he's all about the Tennessee whiskey. I'm taking the over and that Southern drawl just automatically dragging the song out naturally. Uh, hitting no point. Whitney Houston high notes. Good point. Out in the country, we talk a little slower. I mean, it's how we work. We sing a little slower. Gotcha. So I'm taking the over here as well. Uh, Major, I know you're a huge Rihanna fan. We know that she's going to be out there singing her song. I have no idea what any of these songs happen to be. The only song that I actually know is Umbrella. Not because Rihanna sings it, but because Tom Holland lip sank it back on that one show. You remember he came out in full costume? Absolutely nailed it. Go go catch it. Tom Holland, Spider-Man, lip syncing Umbrella. Fantastic job there. Now, with that said, what's the song that you're going to go with? Like like you said, I'm not a fan, but I'm going to go with Umbrella because that's the most annoying song. And I think you, you hear it like in department stores or grocery stores and stuff. So it's more like elevator. There you go. Elevator music. So uh, I'm going to go with that one because I think that's her biggest song to date. I don't know. Well, I've got two here that I'm thinking of here of the options that they gave us. Obviously, I have to kind of read between the lines because I, I don't know her whole discography here i don't know what all the tracks are that she has. that's why we need terror on the show i'm sure she knows right, this kind of stuff right so the two that stand out to me where have you been because rihanna's been kind of gone for a little while she had that kid she's kind of been out of the public eye this is where have you been i'm going to make my big announcement my big return but that's not where i went i went for this is what I came for. You came for the Super Bowl. Rihanna came for the Super Bowl. Some people came for Rihanna at the Super Bowl. So that like is it. what we're coming for. That's what? the way I'm thinking here. How does it go? I don't know, but it sounds like the perfect song. <laughs> no, I, I like your logic. For. I kind of, you got me on board with you with your logic. I like that. Exactly. Don't, don't try and argue with an idiot. I'll bring you down to my level. I'll beat you with experience. That's how I roll. <laughs> now, Devontae Adams, or Devo- Devontae Adams. Out now. See, there's there the idiot go. coming out again. Devontae Smith. Reception, uh, receiving yards at 60 and a half. I'm gonna go under on that just because, I th- again, I think it's gonna be a defensive battle, it's gonna be a running game. Um, I think there's uh, Hertz is new there, he's gonna take a little time to get warmed up, so I don't know if he's gonna be throwing the ball all that much. And like you said, the uh, the Chiefs, the Chiefs, their their secondary is okay. I think they're a lot, they're kind of a bend, don't break type of uh type of a uh, secondary so i i think that i don't know i think if anyone's gonna do it's gonna be like uh aj brown but yeah i'm gonna go under yeah. they're straight trash i'm taking the over i, I think we're gonna <laughs> hit both those i think aj brown's gonna get his and i talk about this again in my article or my uh video there for fantasy points how these wide receivers should be able to have success against this secondary for the chiefs especially considering that there are going to be three rookies in that back end. Uh, Jerry neither is going to be asked to do a little bit more, maybe blitzing off the back end. I'm telling you, man coverage, Jalen Hurts eats that up on yards per attempt. He's actually been nailing it all season. So if you're going to put a blitz together and you're going to leave A.J. Brown any kind of time, the guy absolutely, I think he was second amongst wide receivers there in yards after the catch 
definitely something you don't want to do. I think both these wide receivers for the Eagles have success. Mm-hmm. More PPR points, Miles Sanders or Isaiah Pacheco? Uh, I'm going to go with Sanders. I mean, I've been telling tell, <laughs> telling you guys all year I don't like Pacheco's running style. He's just – it's the ugliest thing to watch. And on the other side, Sanders is uh, – Watching him run the ball is like art. That dude knows how to run. He knows how to play running back. You know, that's my thing. I like to, you know, from the hip movement to the foot placement to all that type of stuff, man, he he gets it. So I'm a, I'm a Sanders fan. It's all in the hips. Always. It's all in the that's hips. Football. It's all in the hips and ankles. Hey, I told my kids this the other day. We're watching. We're talking hockey. We're talking defensive hockey. And I told them, I said, hey, I'm looking over at one kid, but I'm talking to another kid. I go, and I'm saying their name, and they're like, what, what? I said, are my eyes telling you? Are my eyes lying to you? They're like, yeah. I said, guess what? Okay, it's good. What about my head? Is my head lying to you? I tilted my head the other direction. I go, yeah. I said, you know what doesn't lie? The hips don't lie. I can fake <laughs> you out with my head. I can fake you out with my eyes. But yeah. I can't fake you out with the hips because the hips don't lie. Now, good that being said, I'm also taking Miles Sanders. 850 yards before contact this season. The guy was like fifth in the league in yards, in rushing yards. If you're getting 850 yards before contact, that means that offensive line is doing what they do best and getting you to that second level. I think that continues this week. Most touchdowns plus interceptions, Mahomes or Jalen Hurts? Man, you know what? I think I talked myself out of this one earlier. Like With Mahomes, like I said, that ankle and everything that he has going on, I'm going to have to go with yeah, I'm gonna go with my homes on this one. I thought I put Hertz down here, but my, my my answer earlier kind of changed my mind because thinking about him, those off balance throws, that pressure coming, it's, it's it may be a long day for Mahomes if if you know if he's not 100 percent or maybe not even if he's like 90 percent, it might be a long day. Well, the interception prop and that makes it a little bit more interesting too because we know that the Eagles can turn you over as far as the passing the ball is concerned. But I'm gonna go with. Patrick Mahomes here as well, not because of the interception factor, but because I think Jalen Hurts probably scores twice on the ground, which negates a couple of chances to throw the ball into the end zone. Whereas I think Mahomes has two touchdown passes. I think I think Jalen Hurts has a touchdown pass plus rushes two in. So or rushes one in. Miles Sanders gets involved. I think that I think the Eagles are going to have two rushing touchdowns when it's all said and done, which is going to hurt uh, Jalen Hurts in this prop. Total sacks five and a half. Major, what do you got? I'm going under on this. You know, no one wants to see the stars of the game get sacked all all night. So I'm going to go maybe two for Mahomes. Or I'll say Mahomes gets sacked three times because that ankle. And I'll say uh, Hurts gets sacked twice. So that's five. So I'm like right up under there. I'm going to take the over. And I'm going to say Hassan Reddick gets two and a half sacks. I'm going to say Brandon Graham gets in there. I'm going to say Josh Sweet gets in there. And someone else kind of factors in for another half sack somewhere along the way. Meanwhile, on the other side, Chris Jones is going to get a sack. And we'll also see Frank Clark get a sack. So I'm going to take six sacks in this game. I'm going to to take six sacks in this game, which puts us to the over. Most receiving yards, Kelsey, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, or yeah, let's throw in Marquez Valdez-Scanling because he's coming off a 119-yard performance <laughs> in that AFC Championship game. I'm going to go with Brown on this one just because I think he can take it. it like, again, the entertainment factor of the NF, of, of the Super Bowl, you're going to see a long bomb, and I think 
out of all the players in this game, I think he's the guy that can do it. Yes, Smith can do it as well, but I think AJ Brown is just one of those guys. This can be like his coming out party at like being like one of those guys to the guy. You know, he's he's that good of a player. So I'm gonna go AJ Brown, maybe three or four catches maybe even five catches, but he's going to have, uh, you know what? I'll give him like about eight catches and I'm going to give him at least two. That's like 40 yards or something like that. I think they're going to like throw the ball a little bit. Well, the Eagles pass catches really haven't been asked to do a whole heck of a lot of anything. Goddard Smith Brown, not one of them has 100 receiving yards total throughout the playoffs as of yet. Meanwhile, Travis Kelsey, I was leading towards Kelsey here because the guy's got like 90 plus receiving yards in the last seven or eight uh, playoff games that he's played in. He's also got, I think, six of the last seven games he scored a touchdown in, eight touchdowns in those seven contests. So, you know, I'm thinking Travis Kelsey's probably going to be 95 yards receiving, probably eight receptions, and a touchdown. So I have to think, who is going to hit over 96 yards receiving? And it's Devontae Smith, because we know – we know Swole Batman is going to get his. He's going to get the attention of everybody. Fat Batman, Jason Kelsey, he's already calling <laughs> it out there. So I'm going skinny Batman here. Devontae Smith, a buck 12, receiving a touchdown pass from Jalen Hurts. And Not he's going bad. to have about seven catches. Uh, you know what? I'm getting kind of cute, probably pushing my luck a little bit as far as uh, putting out these prop bets here. Get a little cute. But Super Bowl MVP. Oh, no, sorry. first touchdown. Oh, yeah, back. First touchdown of the game. Who's that player going to be? I'm going to go with Kelsey just for the fact that the Chiefs has been there before. So with all the smoke still clearing from the from the stadium and all that some good stuff from the pregame uh, shows and all that stuff, I think um, the Chiefs, they, they kind of know and understand like the whole timing because the whole timing of the football game is totally different when it comes to a player. You're in a locker room longer. You warm up and then you go into the locker room. You sit for longer. Um, and usually when it's someone new coming into the Super Bowl, you have Hurts and those guys. I think, it, you know, they might be a little pumped up too much. There'll be a lot of overthrows. There's going to be some drops. There's going to be some funny stuff happening at the beginning. So I'm going to go with the veterans on, you know, scoring that first touchdown. Isn't there like three songs before the game even kicks off? The National right. Anthem, America the Beautiful, and then like another one thrown in there too? I mean – but all the smoke have, and everything that's in there from the pyro and all yeah. that stuff, it's, it's a lot. Some, some fighter jets flying over exactly. top. I mean, exactly. doing some Blue Angel stuff. I'm taking Miles Sanders. There you I go. think the Eagles are going to want to run the ball. I want. I think they're going to want to beat up on the Chiefs. And I think there's going to be a run to the right side behind Lane Johnson. And Miles Sanders is going to find himself in the end zone yet again. Super Bowl MVP. You were both taking the Eagles, so chances are we're both going to take a player from the Eagles. You're going to go to the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts. Um, we Again, we know it's a quarterback thing, but like I mentioned earlier, man, watch out for the little microaggressions of the NFL. you got two black quarterbacks. They might find a way not to make them an MVP just because the, the NFL does stupid stuff like that, and they'll give it to some like random player. But if all goes well, I'm going to go Jalen Hurts. I think he deserved it. He it's a different kind of momentum with him going on right now in the media, everything. So, I, I, you know, he's, he's starting to become a household name. And I think this can like be the thing that takes him over the top. 
And I'm going to go with Hassan Reddick. I mentioned those two and a half sacks. Well, guess what? He's going to force a fumble and recover a fumble on one of those sacks. Okay, and cement. You know what? Maybe maybe he'll even run one in for a touchdown. No, I'm not going to get that cute. I'm say, you're getting crazy. Let's go. <laughs> if the Eagles are going to win this contest, it's going to be because they're getting pressure on Mahomes and making his life hell. And the man who's going to be tasked with doing that is going to be Hassan Reddick. My second option was going to be C.J. Garner-Johnson, just because he's probably going to be the primary guy on Travis Kelsey. And again, if you're going to beat the Chiefs, you have to find a way to shut down Kelsey, and that's going to be Garner-Johnson. So I think those are the two biggest names on the Eagles' defense to shut down this Chiefs-vaunted offense. But I'm going to go with Hassan Reddick because, hey, edge rushers, they need some love too, man. You know, it seems to be the good way to go. And who do our MVPs thank? first when they accept that award yeah man i think you kind of took my answer so i didn't want to you know copy you but i'm gonna go with the team like jalen hurts to me seems like a team first guy the team loves him they're always having fun they're laughing you know they're you know he seems like he's having a good time the teammates they're following him like i, I think he goes team first and i think hassan reddick goes team jesus first and he thanks god right off the get-go I want to thank God for this opportunity, for this God. That's a whole another conversation. Is Jesus God or, you know what I mean? Like, we can go down that rabbit hole one day. Three and one, man. Three and one. That's all I'm going to say go. about that. There you but go. I think Hassan Reddick, it's going to throw it out there. I mean, these are all prop bets that you can bet. There's so many different bets out there right now that you can absolutely crush. You can also crush it over on Fantasy Points because they've got a whole prop betting agenda going on there. Tom Broly absolutely nails it. They talked about this on the two-point stance with Joe Dolan and Brian Drake going through all these prop bets. And if you get there before the Super Bowl, people, I'm begging you. I want to save you 30%. Get that subscription before Super Bowl Sunday. Save 30%. And you're going to be able to get access to all this prop betting information. And we've got some tools out there right now to help you find the best prop bets out there. And they actually find some kind of formula to back them up with John Hansen's rankings there and his projections. So you're getting the rankings with the projections, with the prop bets, and that's going to put you in a much better situation moving forward. And of course, dang stats, data-driven analysis, one of the best data teams out there right now, led by Chris Wechter and Brett Whitfield. Man, so much good stuff going on over at FantasyPoints.com. Don't take my word for it. Head over there today on the 30% discount and check it out yourselves. With that all being said, we want to thank you for checking out the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast for Major Caldwell. I'm Matt Donnelly. For Tara Roberts, she's not here today, but she's as big part of the show as anybody. We want to thank you for watching us all season long, and we will see you in the offseason, which is only a couple weeks away. Mock Draft <laughs> Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Go. We're going to mock it up That's all offseason. And, of course, behind the grind with some of the best analysts out there, players, media members. They're going to be coming on the show, and we're going to get the story behind the story. So you're not going to miss those either. See you next time.